So as you suspected, we're continuing our series on anger. You guys knew that that wouldn't be a one-sermon series. You knew that that probably wasn't coming. I knew that that probably wasn't coming. Uh, I knew that more than likely that God would impress upon my heart there was more to say about anger than just one sermon. So uh, we will continue today talking about anger. They did change my uh, sermon uh, background, though, so they thought it'd be better to... They didn't like my angry birds, so it's a little, it's a little more appropriate, I guess. This is a little more trendy, a little more hip. Uh, Brett still didn't do this one. We actually had Connie do this one. So uh, anyway, I thought that was pretty good. I like that. Um, it's appropriate for football season. You know, this looks like a pro football player for some reason. So anyway, uh, overcoming anger, avoiding self-destruction, which is kind of what we've been talking about. We talked about last week how that uh, we do not let Satan get a foothold in our life because we don't let anger rule over us, right? It doesn't need to have control over us. We have said a million times in here that there's only one thing that should have control over us, and that is the Holy Spirit of God. That is God himself should have rule and reign in our lives, and that is the only thing that should have control over us. And if you allow anger to seep into your life, the anger can reap havoc, wreak havoc on your life because what happens is Satan gets a foothold in there and then, you know, one door opens and another door opens and Satan, before you know it, he's got, a, got control in a lot of different areas of your life. So he goes in by getting a foothold in one area and before you know it, there's a lot of areas where he has more than a foothold, he's got a stronghold. And that's what we said we don't want to happen in our lives. We talked about, I gave you a funny story last week about how um, Kayla uh, she had some unhealthy anger towards me, our worship leader, because she rolled my house. Uh, her and, and our media guy, Brett, they had rolled my house when we were in college, our college ministry. They thought that was funny. I thought it was even funnier, the fact that I got to sh- shoot them with a paintball gun. That was a lot of fun for me. I enjoyed that. It was probably unhealthy that I enjoyed it so much, as a matter of fact. But Kayla, however, she sinned against God because she had an unhealthy... <laughs> An unhealthy anger against me. I had to bring it up a second time. You couldn't just go through one sermon and me only bring this out. So anyway, uh, and she's still today, probably right now in this second, is probably suffering with some level of anger, uh, and she needs to repent of that, and we'll wait for you to come to the altar, Kayla. And No, I'm just kidding. I love you, Kayla. Anyway, so, um, but I got to be the ultimate uh, minister, and I got to administer paintballs onto uh, the people that were rolling my house. So that was awesome. But anyway, so I thought, okay, so I got to tell you another story. Uh, this time I'll talk about me being angry. So, you know, I, I can't pick on everybody else without picking on myself. Um, I, I got to think, I don't, really, I don't really get angry a lot. As I've gotten older, admittedly, I get angry more. I don't know if that just comes with being older. I don't know what that is. Like, I, I guess as you get older, you get angry. I don't know what that is. I have noticed that. Um, and then you reach a point where you stop getting angry because you're trying to get into heaven, so therefore you don't want to be angry. So it's like <laughs> you go through this peak and valley thing where, you, okay, I don't want to get angry anymore because I'm trying to get in. But anyway, so as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little more angry. But there, really in my life, there's only one thing that really, really makes me angry, okay? Uh, well, I say one thing. There's two things. Um, it's kind of one thing in two parts, all right? So it, it's, it's like my kids when they hurt. Does that make you angry? Like, I don't know if you are ta- you know what I'm talking about. Maybe you don't have kids, but if you have kids and your kids hurt, like, your immediate response is anger. Like, for me, it is. Anyway, I don't know if you struggle with that at all, but, like, like I-, I have told Cassidy, the only time that I will really get mad at you is when you do something that might hurt you, and then I am going to come down on your head so hard and so fast. Like, you don't even know what's going to happen. Like, I mean, I, 
I am going to be angry. Am I right, Cassie? Like, don't do something stupid, right? Like, that's been like my number one rule for her. Like, if you do something stupid that could potentially get you hurt, I am going to be very angry, okay? So the other part of that is if something happens to her that causes her to get hurt or somebody hurts her. Anybody feel me on that? Like, like your kid gets hurt by somebody, you immediately go into rage mode. Am I right? Okay, y'all are looking at me like I'm the only one that ever has experienced this. And I know all you parents out there are in the same position. Like your kid gets hurt, somebody hurts them. What do you want to do? You want to hurt them back. Am I right about that? Like they made my kid hurt, I want to make them hurt, right? It's like, and if, if your kid's in a relationship, you know, that, that's, what, that's what all dads are supposed to do. You make her hurt, I make her, you hurt. You make her cry, I make you cry, right? That's what dads are supposed to do, right? <laughs> you, you make her cry, I make a hole in your chest. You know, that kind of stuff. So, um, so anyway, uh, so I can remember one specific example where um, we, she was playing junior high basketball. And, and, and my wife, she, her blood pressure just went through the roof, just so I mentioned this, because you know, she knows exactly the situation I'm talking about. She's playing junior high basketball, and we were in White Plains, and admittedly, I don't know if we were playing White Plains or what group we were playing. I don't know who we were playing. I'm not even going to mention the team. I don't know, because it doesn't matter. But anyway, so Cassie goes in, and she's down there, and, I, and she's on kind of the opposite end of the court, and I'm looking down there, and there's this girl who's kind of being nasty, and she's, she's guarding Cassidy, and she's just she's being a punk, okay? Like, I just... I, I have to be honest with you, she's being a punk, and I didn't like the fact she was being a punk, and she was. She was a punk. So anyway, but she starts throwing elbows, man, and, and, and she hit Cassidy in the mouth with her elbow, and, and y'all, look, I, I, don't, I, I don't do anger. Anger is not something that I do a lot of, okay, but when I get angry, talking about it's, Satan just doesn't have a foothold, right? He got a stronghold on me when, when I get angry, and like... I saw the look on her face when, when her mouth got hit with that girl's elbow and, and tears immediately came to her eyes. Y'all, I, was, I, I wanted to tear the girl apart. I mean, it's a 14-year-old girl, and I wanted to rip her limb from limb. I was like, I was sitting there, I was sitting there in the stands, and I was going, oh, Jesus, you're going to have to help me here. There's going to be headlines. Local pastor punches 14-year-old at basketball game. You know what I mean? Like, or 14-year-old girl at basketball game, even worse, you know? Like, I just, I was sitting there, I was going, hmm, you know? Because I saw the look on her face when she got hit in the mouth, and I knew how bad it hurt her. My face, y'all, I, I don't know how red it was, but I know it's at least as red as your chairs right now. It was red, man. I, my blood pressure shot through the roof. It was 1,000 over 800. I know, it was like, it was, I was hot, man. And, and, and like, and so Kasha goes to check on her, and all I can do is sit there. Like, all I can do, because my hands, I've got, like, this death grip in, in the bench, you know, or in the, in the stands, like, and my, my, my fingernails are clawed into the wood, and, like, I'm not going anywhere. And I'm like, I'm, I, I, can't, I can't deal with that situation. You know, I, I have to sit here for a minute because I was so, so angry on the inside, okay? So this is me confessing sin to all you guys. So, and, and I was, I, and, like, it was all I could do. Finally, finally, I, I never interacted with what was going on down there. You know, Kasha dealt with that, and I went, and I got ice. That was my job because <laughs> I needed to cool down. So I go get the ice, and I take it over there, and I'm like, hey, you okay? You know, I, I'm glad you're not hurt bad, you know. Are you bleeding? Okay. You know, and I'm trying to act all cool and pastoral, you know, and I mean, I'm like trying to, 
trying to be the cool dad, and on the inside, I am fuming, okay? That, that, that's reality for me, okay? You, you hurt one of my kids, I don't care if you're eight years old, it like, it's, it's going to enrage me, and, and, and that, that is exactly what I went through. So, like, as I was dealing with this sermon, you know, and God's got to deal with my own heart, you know, way before he ever, you know, brings the, the word to me, I got to, you know, he's got to preach the sermon to me, and then I got to go, oh, no, okay, you got to deal with me, and then he's like, yeah, we got to deal with you first, and then maybe you'll be able to come up with some words for the sermon. I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is the struggle of preaching. So, anyway, so I got to thinking about this next passage and I had to deal with something that, that I really feel like is something that we all struggle with on some level, and it is the idea of, of the R word, right? Revenge. Revenge, right? Like somebody hurts you, you demand justice. You need revenge, right? Like, like that's what was going on in my heart. You know, somebody made her hurt, I want to make them hurt. That's revenge. That's what I want. This is what's got to happen. I need revenge, so as Christians, how are we supposed to handle that mentality of revenge? How, as, as Christ followers, how are we supposed to deal with this thing that, that it, I mean, it weighs heavy on our minds because that's our natural tendency as human beings, right, to want revenge, right? Somebody hurt us, we want to hurt them back. That's human nature, right? As Christians, how are we supposed to deal with that? And, and you're going to go, okay, I think I know the answer to this. Let me guess, Kenny, we're supposed to be different than the world, we're not supposed to look like everybody else, right? Is that the message you're going to preach to us today? Yeah, pretty much. You know why? Because that's the same message I preach to you every week is that we're supposed to look different than the world, right? Like we're, we're not supposed to look like everybody else. We're not supposed to succumb to the flesh. We're not supposed to just do whatever it is that we want to do. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to live in accordance with God's word and in, accord, in accordance with his Holy Spirit who leads and guide us, guides us in every single thing that we do, Right? So what does God say about revenge, right? So what, 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 what do we got to deal with today? Okay, well, Paul's talking to the Roman church, and Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be today. And uh, he, he's, you know, he's been telling them all this stuff about who they are in Christ and, and you know, sanctification and justification, and all these Cation words that are very biblical, you know, and he's dealing with all this stuff, and he's talking about who we are as Christians, and now we got to, that's great, Paul, and now, just like last week, now we got to talk about how we got to be in, in, in our position as Christians, who are we supposed to be, and that's where he starts, you know, in chapter 12, he starts talking about one of these things that he deals with, and I'll, I'll we're going to start in, in verse uh, 17, but I'm going to jump back just for a second to verse 14. To read one verse for you, it says, bless those who persecute you, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. Oh, come on, really? <laughs> you know, you go, Paul, give us a break, man. Bless those who persecute you, don't curse them, pray that God will bless them. Now, understand that, that Paul's definition of curse is probably a little different than what you say when you say you want to curse somebody. It's a little different, but it's the same idea, right? So when somebody makes you mad, you want to take it out on them. You want to, to, for them to suffer some consequence as a result. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Not only, not only am I supposed to just be okay. So at the basketball game where Cassie was crying and 
I was about to lose my mind. Not only am I supposed to just be okay with it and sit there and shut up and not say anything and not punch a 14-year-old, like not only am I supposed to do that, but on top of that, it's not okay that I'm just quiet. I actually have to pray for them. Come on, God, cut me some slack. You know what I mean? Like, I have to pray for them too. But that's not all he says. Paul says, don't just pray for them. Pray that, I mean, because I, like, you know, you know, you know those prayers that you want to pray, right? God, maybe they won't get hit by a train today. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's your prayer. Maybe, God, they, you know, will eat sometime this week. Amen. You know what I mean? Like, no, you have to pray that God will bless them. Bless them. Really? Bless them. <sighs> Can't I just pray that God will bless me and that they'll be okay? You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want to pray, but that's not, that's not what Paul said. Pray that God will bless them. Oh, no. That doesn't sound like what I want to do. Not at all, as a matter of fact. That sounds like the opposite of what I want to do. Uh, you want to you wanna recite some verse like, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to say, all right, God, get them back. You know what I mean? I'll stand back while you burn up the Samaritans with fire. You know what I mean? Like, I'm ready. Go ahead. I'll wait, you know. I'll just wait on you to do your thing. And, you know, when they trip and fall over the curb and bust their nose and they get their payback, I'll be like, yeah, okay, see, you had it coming to you. No, no, I'm praying that God will bless them. That's the difference of the Christian existence, right? That's the difference of us as, as Christ followers. We're supposed to be different in that way. Not just pray that, you know, that you'll be okay, but pray that they'll actually be blessed. Now, I have to say something here that, that I don't know. People tend to take a general principle how, how we're supposed to live our lives as Christians and try to apply it to a, a, a greater I, I guess sometimes a greater truth, I, I would say, sometimes even in the area of our laws. So, like, for example, if you were to try to apply this to our laws and you were to say, all right, somebody has killed somebody else, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to punish them? No, we're supposed to pray for them, pray that God will bless them. Well, that is not what, what Paul is saying here. He's not saying avoid the earthly consequences that come with their actions. He's talking about your personal connection with that person, how you're supposed to behave, how you're supposed to act. Some people try to take that and try to apply it to, to our, our senators and our presidents and, and, our, and our representatives and say, you guys are supposed to, you know what, if somebody wants to come into our country, just let them come on in, right? Like, that's okay. I, I mean, I... Listen, and some, be, some people get mad about this. I don't care. It's okay. I'll give you my two cents because I got the microphone. So they, they, they'll say, look, Jesus wants us to love everybody. So if somebody wants to come in and be a part of the United States, just open the doors. Let them come on in, right? Well, does that really make sense? What, what about if there is a child, uh, a con convicted uh, child molester that lives in your neighborhood who is all of a sudden becomes homeless? and now has no place to live, open your doors, let them sleep in your kids' room, right? If we're supposed to love everybody, if we're supposed to let them in, no matter what the situation is, put them in the room with your six-year-old, right? 
It's ridiculous to take those general principles about how we're supposed to be as, as Christians and try to apply those principles to everything. That doesn't make sense. There has to be laws, there has to be rules and regulations that govern the way that we live or else we have chaos. Unless, thing, unless we do that, things won't make sense. Things won't work in our lives. The same thing would apply to this. If I were to go to the American Red Cross and I were to lay down on the bench and say, I'm ready to give blood, which I do regularly, by the way, and I don't say that boastfully. I'm saying that because every one of you need to give blood regularly because it saves more than just a couple of lives. And I don't care if you're afraid of needles. You need to do it anyway. Okay, I will say that. Me going and laying down on the bench to put my arm out and go, oh, there are people that need blood. We'll just take all of it. That wouldn't make much sense, would it? That wouldn't make much sense. You have to, Jesus said you're supposed to love people. He never said that you're supposed to be stupid. Am I right? I mean, like, we have to apply some logic in there, too. You know? I mean, I mean, like, there's some things where people want to take some general principles that Jesus has said and how they're supposed to govern our lives, and they try to take that and apply it to everything. It doesn't fit everywhere, Okay? It fits generally speaking, but it doesn't fit specifically in every single situation. Because there are other things that Jesus says when he says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, where he says, you know what, pay your taxes. And we go like, I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, it drives me crazy when people just try to take things that Jesus said and try to apply it to everything. Take the context of what Jesus is talking about. Take what specifically what Jesus is talking about and apply those things to your life. That I completely agree with. You want to you you protect the lives of unborn children? I'm 110% on board with that. You know what I mean? Like, let's do it. I'm on board. Let, let, let's go. I, but, but some of these things that people try to take these principles and try to apply them to different areas, in particular when it comes to politics, and you don't know what you're talking about. I don't want to get into a political discussion, but... But some of you just, you, you get on Facebook and social media and, and you look, you make yourself look like an idiot because you don't know what you're talking about. And you try to use Jesus to back you up. And I'm like, you don't even know who he is. It's obvious by what you're saying. You should spend more time reading this book than on social media. Then, then might, you might know what it says and, and then you would, you know what? If you know more about what this says, you'd probably post a lot less. I'm, I'm just telling you, you probably would. So anyway, so sorry. I, it just, it, it bothers me when, 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 when people try to twist the truth of God and try to make it fit their personal situation, their personal convictions and their personal beliefs and what they think it means. No, let's talk about what it really means. If you want to have a discussion about what it really means, I look, I'm just a man with an opinion. I understand that. But, but let, let's, let's sit down and talk about it, and we'll both get our Bibles out, and we'll both talk about what this word means. Let's do that as opposed to you saying something stupid. Sorry. No, I'm not. I'm not sorry. Verse 17. <laughs> I better move on. Everybody will leave the church here shortly, so we'll have everybody out of here in five minutes. Yeah. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Oh, man, I don't want to be honorable. <laughs> I would rather be known as mean, you know, especially when somebody is evil towards me. 
So, okay, like I was wondering, like, how am I supposed to pay back evil, right, when somebody's evil towards me? I'm not just talking about mean. I'm talking about evil. Evil is a whole lot different than mean. Somebody's mean towards you, that's one thing. I'm talking about evil. And it's this, this, is, this, I mean, like I think about, I've read numerous stories, and I could have shared a dozen stories with you today about people that, you know, they've had family members that, that have been killed by somebody, and they go to their murderer and talk to them about Jesus and try to share the gospel of Jesus so they, their souls might be rescued because they're obviously, this person is controlled by evil. And they, there's account after account after account of people that, man, the most important thing for them is, is for that person that has committed this, this heinous act. Man, it's, it's, maybe they've raped somebody, maybe they've killed somebody in their family, and they're just like, look, you've you got to know Jesus. The most important thing is, yeah, you did that, and it's terrible, but now... Now that act has brought us together, and I know the truth of God, and I know what this word says. Therefore, I want you to know what this word says, and my hope and my prayer is that you will be rescued as well. It's not to repay evil for evil. I know that's our tendency. I know that that's, that's you know, somebody, somebody kills somebody in your family, you immediately want to take it out on them. You want to see them in, in the electric chair. You want, to, you want to see them getting that lethal injection, man. You want to see that happen. No, I, I, I don't, I, I understand that we're supposed to have laws and we're supposed to deter people from, from committing murder and all those kinds of things. But man, I, on a personal level, we're supposed to want to reach that person with the love of Christ. We're supposed to want to tell them the love of Jesus and the same grace that was bestowed upon you is the same grace that is available to them. And though they have committed murder, though they've committed rape, Though they have done some terrible things that God wants them in his family. He wants them in his kingdom. Don talked about it up here. How, how, man, God has welcomed us into his family. That doesn't just apply to you and I. That applies to the rapists and the murderers too. And for us to think that, man, we want to repay evil with evil, that's the anti the gospel. You understand that, right? We talked about this last week because if you take a hard look at who you are, you know what you're going to see. If you pause for a minute and you look deep inside your own heart, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see evil. There's, there's nothing good inside of you. There, there is only one that is good. And that is our Father who is in heaven. There is only one that is good. If you look at yourself, take a good, hard, honest look at yourself, man, you say, I did not. I did not deserve what God gave me. I did not deserve the grace that was so generously poured out on me. I did not deserve that. You know how I know that that's got to be your mentality? Because if it's not, you're not a Christian. If you've never taken a good hard look at your own heart and said that, you know what? I am evil. I don't deserve grace. If you've never had that epiphany that that is the truth of your life and your heart, then you're not a Christian. You can't be just a recipient of grace without understanding that you've got the cancer of your sin, that your heart is wickedly evil and deceitful above all things, that you, you cannot be a recipient of grace without understanding your position as an evil, sinful person. And once you recognize your, your position as an evil, sinful person, and you recognize that amazing grace that rescues you, you know what the overflow of that is supposed to be? You know, I, and, and what's weird is that, that so many Christians don't exhibit this, and I, I'm like, I don't know if you're a Christian or not. The overflow of that is that you want other people to experience the same thing you experienced, and that was this amazing grace that you didn't deserve that you got. And we're supposed to be ambassadors of that grace, and we're supposed to go and say, I'm going to show you the grace that was shown to me. If I don't, then I'm not a Christian. 
And that's the truth of God. I didn't make it up. That's in the, that's in the book. It says, don't repay evil for evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. I have said this before, and I'll say it again. The process of sanctification, that's one of those big Cajun words that is in the Bible. That is the process of when the Holy Spirit comes in, dwell you, and you become more and more in tune with the Holy Spirit and more and more like Jesus as you grow more and more in your understanding of what Jesus has called you to be and do and say and act. You know, that is the process of sanctification, okay? As you look less like yourself and more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is in short terms, in simple terms, okay? I have said this before and I will say it again. Some people think that sanctification is about, the, about them and God changing them and molding them and shaping them for their own edification so that they can be built up, so that they can be different, so that it's about them. I believe that the purpose of sanctification is so that people can see that in you and see the power of God in you and see the transforming work that God is doing in you so that it might glorify God. That the sanctifying work is not about you, but about everybody else who sees you and sees the glory of God in you. And here, that's exactly what we see. It doesn't say... Never pay back evil with more evil so that you can feel good about yourself. That's not what it says. It says, do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Everybody can see, everybody's looking at you. It's how they look at you. That the purpose of this is so that people can see the work of God in you. Everyone else can see. See, it, it doesn't do any good to just sit there and keep your mouth shut. It, it's got to be more than that. And, and, and you can't, certainly can't behave like everybody else behaves. They got to look at you and go, man, that person is different. I, I, I mean, I, I've read so many stories about people that, man, they, they, they come in and murder their family. And, and the person that's left in the family goes to the prison and talks through that glass to share Jesus with that person and tell them about the love of God for them. And they're so confused on the other side. I don't understand. How can, how can you love me enough to tell me about the love of God? And, and I killed your family. That's so that person can see. That person can see the glory of God in your life. The person can see that the work that God is doing. The, the person can see that you are honorable. What does the word honorable mean? It exemplifies something, right? It shows something. To be, to be honorable means exactly what it says here, that everyone can see that in you, that you represent something. And here, what do we see? Everyone can see that you are honorable. What are you honoring? You're honoring God. You're exalting Jesus when you do it. So that everyone, when they look at your life and look at your behavior and look at the way that you act, and it's not for paying evil for evil, they can see that you're honoring God, that you're honoring something. And if you're a Christian, that's going to be honoring God. And he goes on in verse 18. Say this. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Now, some of you might be confused about what this verse means exactly, so I'm going to phrase it for you in such a way that you'll understand. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Did you get it that time? I'll do it again. Maybe my exegetical speaking is not as good as it needs to be. 
Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. There's a couple words in there that kind of jump out at me. There's three words, actually. All, peace, everyone. (laughs) I thought I could just do a little bit, and that would be good enough. No, that's not. You know why I know that that's not enough? Because when I read the word all, I interpret that as meaning all. I don't know if you guys see the same thing, but he says all. He doesn't say part, some, just a little bit, just a teeny tiny bit. He says all. Do all that you can to live in peace. Peace. What it, oh, boy, now that's, that's actually a, a big cumbersome word, actually, right? What, what does peace mean? Because this, this can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? Um, does it mean that that, that every time we see each other, that we hug each other, and I greet you with a brotherly kiss, and I kiss you on the cheek, and we smile, and, and we just, and, and, is it like that all the time? It's not like that all the time, is it? You, you, you want to know how I know that? Because think about your family, okay? You hug them, not always because you want to, it's because you need to sometimes, but you try your best to live in peace with them, am I right? Because they're your family, they're your blood, and you say, you know what? I got to make peace with them because they're 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 my own. You know what I mean? They're they're, they're part of me. So it's like we we try a little harder with family, don't we? I mean, admittedly, some of you got some family that hurts you really deeply, and I'm probably speaking to you when I speak about some of these passages when it talks about repaying evil for evil, and you want to do that in your own heart. And I understand where you're coming from, but listen to me when I talk about peace. You got some family members that you do connect with in such a way, and they frustrate the mess out of you. You know what I'm talking about? Like you want to wring their neck sometimes, but you love them. You see them at Thanksgiving. It's coming up, right, Thursday. And even if they made you mad all year long, you still, a lot of times, you're just going to wrap your arms around them. And, and I can remember there are times when me and my brother, who, who's passed away this past year, I mean, we, we had some knockdown drag outs. I'm talking about like big stuff. I'm talking about screaming in public kind of, Big stuff that I behave poorly and all kinds of bad stuff that I could talk about. And I probably will at some point if we're dealing with this anger series. But, man, he, he came up to my door. And I just opened the door. He didn't have to say a word. He came up to my door. And I knew he was there because he loved me. And he wanted us to be at peace with one another. And I just opened the door. And he didn't have to say a word. I just hugged him. He... he he wanted grace from me. I wanted a relationship with him. I wanted us to have peace between us, and I just hugged him. And he didn't have to say a word. I, forgiveness was immediate. You know, we had some stuff that had built up between us for a long time, and immediately it was gone. Man, we work hard at peace with, with, with people that are family. But I don't know that we always work hard at peace with those people that are around us in the same way. You know what I mean? And I believe that this, this speaking of peace, I, I'm not saying, man, it's got to be happy, happy, joy, joy all the time. I'm just talking about a, a sense of, of love that is deep and, and say, you know what? I know that we got some stuff that hangs between us sometimes, but I still, I want a relationship with you. I still want us to be family. And I believe that that's what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about peace, just like a general, a general place of just wanting to be okay with one another, you know? It's not always going to be perfect, okay? But I can tell you this. There's some people in here right now, I know, that you got some relationships in your life. And when I talk about peace in those relationships, you say, those, 
relationships are not dictated by peace. I talk about those relationships. If somebody were to wrap a word around them, peace would not be that word. When you see that relationship from a distance, a pretty picture of a dove is not what you see. Am I right? Some relationships where it's strained and it was difficult, and maybe it's even justified. But we talked about this last week, about what is really justified. What do we really deserve? I'm going to tell you, it's not okay for you not to be at peace with everyone. Who? Who, who is it we're supposed to be at peace with, Paul? Can you clarify it with me? Because I thought maybe there were some people I could leave out of the list. I really thought I had this, this black list of people that I could just shove to the corner, sweep under the rug so that I wouldn't have to deal with them anymore because I know my relationship with them is not going to be peaceful. I really thought I could ignore them. I thought that that was good enough as a Christian. I really thought that I could just push it to the side, and if I didn't deal with it and nobody really knew about it, then it would be okay. Paul tells us something different. Do all that you can. So first of all, are you doing everything that you can? Are you striving for peace? And is it with everyone? I didn't make that up. It's right there in God's word. God said it to me just like he said it to you. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. What, what, what is this sermon about today, Kenny? What, what would you have for us to understand? Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. And I'll, I'll wrap it up with this, this, little, this little snippet that, that Paul gives us at the end that he reveals from Leviticus. And he's pointing us back to the Old Testament, which I, I appreciate the connection to the Old Testament. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So you may say, okay, well, I like the idea of, of, of dumping coals on my, my enemies. I like the idea of dumping coals on their head. That, that makes me feel pretty good. So if I'm actually nice to somebody, then, then that'll make them matter. That's good. I like that. If that's what you're saying, Paul, yeah, I'm all about that because I like just making somebody who's already mad, making them matter. You know, it's like taking a bear and poking him with a stick in the eye. You know what I mean? Like, I like that. Is that what you're saying here, Paul? He points to a word in here called shame. Shame. Now, why would he incorporate shame into this particular conversation talking about heaping coals on their head? I have a suspicion, and I'm just a man with an opinion. You remember when I talked about the gospel, and I talked about how in order for you to come to a place of understanding God's grace and his amazing grace that was poured out on you, and what you did not deserve, God gave you in full right? This vast difference between what you deserve and what you got, right? You remember how I talked about also that when everyone looks at you, there's, it's supposed to be honorable to God. It's supposed to be this process of sanctification and making you more and more like Jesus and less and less of your, like yourself is so that everyone else can see. 
I believe that the purpose in what Paul is pointing out here is so that when you do this, when you behave differently than the other person, when the other person has poured out evil on you and you behave differently from them, it's not for the purposes of poking them with a stick and making them feel worse. It's for the purposes of helping them see. It's for the purposes of helping them feel the shame so that they can see the difference between somebody that acts and speaks and loves God versus somebody who doesn't and pours out evil. So they can see this big gap that exists in between the two and this gap called shame. And they can see the difference. See, our, our natural tendency is to think, man, Paul's talking about this so that, so that, man, that person can feel worse. No, Paul's talking about this so that that person can come to know Jesus. Don't you see the difference? Don't you see the difference? We naturally want, want somebody else to feel worse. But he's talking about, he wants them to see. He wants their eyes to be open. He wants them to see the difference between the way we behave and the way this person has behaved. He wants them to feel the full weight of that shame. Do you know what happens when you feel the full weight of that shame? You're one step closer to the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're one step closer to saying, you know what? All that, belong, all that shame belongs to Jesus now. I know the way that I was. I know what I deserve. I know how evil and filthy I am. But I also know what God is offering me and how he has paid it in full and how he is pouring out his grace for me, for me to cover that shame. Do you understand the difference? Do you understand the difference? When you think about somebody seeing the difference between how you behave and they behave, do you think about it in terms of, man, I hope they see this in terms of the gospel and the love of Christ and they see how God can transform you. Is that what you desire for people to see in your life? Do you live in, in peace with everyone? Are you doing all that you can to live in peace with everyone? Maybe some of us got some stuff to deal with today, don't we? Maybe there's some things that are going on in our lives that have been there for quite a while, and maybe we didn't expect to deal with it in a sermon series on anger. Maybe we expected to deal with it on a sermon series about forgiveness or something like that, but it turns out when we start talking about revenge, that's exactly what's going on in our hearts. Because we've been hurt, because we have had things done to us, we feel like that person deserves something because of what they did to us. They do deserve something. The same thing that you deserve. See, that's the, that's the problem. We, we think that they deserve something different than we deserve. The reality is, is they deserve the same thing that you deserve. And that same thing is the place called hell. An eternal separation from God. That's what they deserve, but that's also what we deserve. Every single one of us, myself included, we deserve hell. But because God, because God wanted peace with us, he wanted a relationship with us. He didn't want this gap of shame to exist between us and him. He filled that gap with the blood of his son, Jesus. He said, you know what? I want them to see. I want them to see the difference. I want them to see the difference between good and evil and the fact that they are in a place of evil. And the only way that they can get to a place of good is through my son. He said, so I'm going to lay him on a cross and I'm going to sacrifice him for all of them. But you see, we think that that's just for us. We think that that's just for us because we want to be a recipient of that. Man, that, that sounds good because I deserve that. I deserve what Jesus did for me. Those people that do all the evil stuff, the rapists, the murderers, all those people that sexually abuse young children, man, they deserve hell. 
we all deserve. See, when Jesus laid down on that cross willingly, he did it for every one of us, not just a few of us. He did it for every one of us. Even the ones that hurt you, even the ones that hurt you so bad, you feel like they don't deserve grace. He did it for them too. Because the reality is, is none of us deserve grace. None of us deserve anything that's good. But God, He's good. And because He's good, He loves you. He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than you love anybody else. And if you want to be an ambassador of that grace, you've got to love people in a way that's different than the way everybody else says you're supposed to love people. You're supposed to do it according to the way God's Word says that you're supposed to love people. Maybe today you're not a Christian. Maybe today you go, man, I, I, you revealed through God's word that indeed I am not a Christ follower. Everything inside of my heart is so wickedly evil and it is not in tune with the Holy Spirit. There is no way that the Holy Spirit of God resides inside of me. Come, come and tell him that. Talk to him about it. Ask him to rescue you. Tell him what you deserve. Tell him that you deserve nothing, but he has given you everything fall on your face before him and ask him God I just want to be a recipient of that grace that you have so freely given and then here's the hard one so so like that's immensely hard this is immensely immensely hard come and pray that God will bless those who have hurt you those that have done evil to you come and pray for them I didn't want to say that either there's been people that hurt me and I didn't want to say that I don't want to go pray for them. I really don't want to. I'd rather just stay in my seat and be bitter. I feel you, me too. It's not what God says. He says it's not who I'm supposed to be. So as much as I don't want to, I'm going to be obedient to Christ. I'm going to say, God, I'm going to come and I'm going to pray for them to be blessed. But just beyond that, beyond for them just to be blessed, I'm going to pray that you change my heart. So if the meditation of my heart is not that I'm just saying words that they be blessed, but the meditation of my heart is that I want them to be blessed. You have blessed me immensely, Lord. You have given me immensely more than I deserve. I pray that you would give them the same. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this precious word. God, it is so hard when I hear your word sometimes and how you speak to me and how you preach to me and how you tell me these things that they're so hard for me to hear. They fall on my ears, God, and they're... My flesh is just waging war, God. It's just like this tug of war that's going on inside of my mind. God, I don't want to do these things. You're calling me to do all these things that I don't want to do. God, I understand. I understand that that's exactly what's supposed to happen. I just pray, God, for the hearts in this room. God, I pray that we would see our weakness. We would see, God, the places... God, where you are just working in our lives, that you're doing the surgery, that the Holy Spirit of God is just working and and that we would just be responding to it, Lord, that we would be obedient to you. God, it's never easy. It's never easy when you do such deep cutting in our lives. God, but I pray that it would be for our good and for your glory and we would just say yes to you today. So God, for the person who doesn't know you, I pray that they would say yes person who has bitterness in their heart and seeking revenge, God, I pray that they would say no to themselves and yes to you, yes to your word, yes to your way. God, you do the work that we cannot do. We'll stand in awe of who you are and your grace. And we're going to do our best. We're going to do our best from this point forward to be honorable, 
to be honorable to the King of Kings. So Lord, you speak and we listen right now. In Jesus' name, amen.